Welcome to Fill to Flourish with Luke and Lauren, where emotional health takes a stage and your story matters. We are thrilled to announce that Lauren and I are launching a global virtual therapy practice. We'll be specializing in trauma healing and brain retraining for those suffering from the effects of chronic stress and trauma in their bodies and minds. We'll begin seeing clients in May. So if you're interested, head over to our newly launched social media pages and our website, flourishtherapy.co, to learn more or join the waitlist. We'll be sure to put the links in the descriptions of this episode and share more information in future episodes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our webinar today, a webinar of uh, a series of finding your way back. Today, we're going to talk about finding your way back to safety. Uh, what is safety? What takes away the feeling of safe, the felt safety? Um, and it's just going to be, we're going to talk about a lot of information, but kind of just scratching the surface on a lot of different topics. Um, it is a very comprehensive um, topic that we're trying to uh, address today. But we're just going to be just hitting the surface of it and just giving you guys some things to think about and some information. Um, your video is off and you're muted for recording purposes. Um, but if you have any questions, just write them in the chat and we'll get to them at the end. We just want to thank you and welcome you into uh, this time of uh, this webinar of finding a way back to safety. So who are we? For those of you that don't know, um, we are Luke and Lauren Smockham of Flourish Therapy. Luke is a mental health practitioner who's been working with people for 10 years, um, bringing healing and hope to so many lives. And I am a mind-body practitioner. I have been in the healthcare field for 15 years, um, and I have just continued to add to my training and um, my, my skill set so that I'm able to help more and more people find healing and wholeness through uh, physical health issues, chronic health issues and chronic pain, as well as emotional health and healing. So together, Luke and I um, do this at our brand new practice, Flourish Therapy, and we're so excited to be sharing this with you today. So who is this for? Who are we talking to? Who can get something? Who can this information help? It's those of us who feel stressed, anxious, lacking joy, uh, those of us who are triggered often or easily. If you're having difficulties in relationships and them difficult, um, stressful, challenging, uh, this can be helpful. Uh, chronic health issues, both uh, whether it's physical, mental, physiological, chronic health issues. This can be very helpful to understand that experience. Um, also not living, the, if you're not living, if you don't feel like you're living the full life that you want, this can be a, a starting launch point of finding a way of how to find that life and pursue that life that you desire. So safety begins in childhood. Attachment, the emotional bond that forms between infant and caregiver. That's what attachment is, the emotional bond that forms between infant and caregiver. Um, 
The pattern of attachment and relationships learned by children are embodied in our neurophysiology and the psyche. So attachment lays the foundation for relationships and how relationships, how you build relationships for the rest of your life. Uh, there is a couple of different types of attachment. There is the insecure attachment and there's a secure attachment. Uh, insecure attachment have a, a couple of different varieties, um, anxious avoidant and anxious avoidant. Our attachment styles informs how to engage with people to maintain a sense of safety. So based on how we have, what kind of attachment we have um, gained or been given um, in infancy and throughout our childhood, um, feeds uh, the way we in interact with others in relationship. Um, so how do we do conflict? Um, how do we find safety in relationship? What cues of what, what cues safety to us in relationship? What cues the lack of safety or danger or threat? Um, do we are we more um, do we more pursue people when we're anxious? Do we more avoid conflict or avoid relationships um, when we're stressed uh, or in conflict? Um, what types of people are, are safe for us? What types of people are, are threatening to us? So all of this, um, how we interact with people is, is through a lens of how we have been attached to by our parents and um, then lies the foundation of how then we attach um, and interact with other people. So safety begins in childhood. Co-regulation is how one nervous system influences another. So this is a big, this is a really important um, word in, in attachment and in regulation is the ability to co-regulate. So the best thing for a human's nervous system is another human being. And the worst thing for a human's nervous system, a, a human nervous system is other human beings. Uh, so that can be tricky because like I said, if we are finding cues of safety from that person, it's a great thing. If we're finding cues of danger or threat from that person, then it's the worst thing. Um, and co-regulation is just the idea of uh, when we were infants growing up, um, was, was our Parent, or were our parents able to regulate us? And that's a huge skill that we don't, we're not born with, we're taught it, we learn it. We learn it from uh, the people that are caring for us. And if that person is able to regulate themselves and bring regulation to us, then that's co-regulation. Their regulation is giving us the information, is, is cueing signs of safety to our nervous system and their regulation is helping us find regulation and helping our nervous system to learn how to regulate itself. And we take that throughout our life. And if we don't have that co-regulation, then we are left kind of empty and unable to regulate ourselves and self-soothe um, well and um, efficiently. Mm -hmm. 
Um, just want to jump in and say, because I think we forgot to mention it, whenever you are discussing story, trauma, um, kind of the inner workings of the human heart, it is just a uh, big possibility that your body is going to feel things and you may even be triggered. So um, whenever we do uh, trauma education or working one-on-one -on -one with someone, we always give them kind of the the space to take care of themselves and to prioritize themselves above anything. So if you feel like you need to step away, go for it. You can listen to this at any time. If you feel like right now I, I can't, I want to actually listen to this with like a safe friend mm -hmm. that can help me feel grounded in this stuff that is reminding me of my journey and my life and my story and um, even my lack of safety that I feel right now as a person. And so we just want to give you that heads up that even though we're not talking about specifics, this could could bring up a lot of emotion. Yes, thank you, Lauren, for yeah. uh, mentioning that. It's really important to care for ourselves, uh, whether it's digging in deep or even on surface, our bodies can respond to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So very good segue to regulation because um, regulation is this uh, incredible ability that the body has to keep our homeostasis, a word you might remember from science, uh, balanced, to keep us safe and functioning as a, as a human. And so there's actually three states that the nervous system um, travels in and out of. And those three states are part of the polyvagal theory. That's who, um, kind of Stephen Porges came up with this theory as he studied how humans and mammals even um, interact with safety and threat and engage in the social world. And so the first state, if you think of it like a ladder, this is what polyvagal does, uh, the polyvagal ladder. So safe and social is at the very top. And this is the state that we all love to be in. Well, generally love to be in, but if we've had a lot of trauma, this state also might be feel threatening to us. Again, this is complicated, but for the most part, humans enjoy the feeling of safe and social, being in that state. In this state, we're regulated, we're grounded, flexible, and our body is at ease. Physiologically, the state feels like rest. It feels like all your muscles are just <sighs> not tightening up, not prepared, not tense. It just feels open and free. And in this state, we feel able to connect with others, we feel able to access hope and dreams and envision for our life. We're able to be, we feel encouraged. Um, things aren't perfect in this state. It doesn't mean the outside circumstances like the beach, but we can, in this state, we can access all of the beautiful parts of being human without feeling threat. Um, so that's our safe and social state, also known as ventral. You may have heard that word ventral. We like to use the S's because it kind of goes together better. Um, so the next state, as your body uh, detects threat at any given time or concern, your, your uh, sympathetic mode can switch on. And so in this nervous system state, we feel a lot of anxiety. We have racing thoughts, urgency. Things feel urgent. 
We even feel a tightness in our whole body. It feels like tightness and constriction. Our chest may feel tight. Our breathing may be shallow, um, but rapid. Our pupils can dilate. Our heart rate starts thudding away and our body has been activated. Our body has been prepared for potential threat. Um, and this is what we probably are most familiar with, fight or flight. We've all heard of that. That is sympathetic, the sympathetic mode of the nervous system, um, the sympathetic state. Uh, so yes, this state has a, uh, a lot of intensity to it. And people also tend to be very productive and perfectionistic and driven in this state. And so a lot of things in modern society actually demand that we live in that sympathetic state. And so some people find themselves having been there for years, maybe even decades. Um, the third state that we're going to talk about is shutdown. So shutdown is at the bottom of the ladder, um, which is kind of appropriate. It, it, it mirrors where it is happening physiologically, but it's also kind of appropriate if you think of like being in the pit. The pit is in the ground. It's at the bottom. And in the pit, life feels hopeless. Life feels heavy and hard, and you feel like you're moving through molasses. Your thoughts may be fuzzy. You may feel just lost and have no idea even, you can't even think of what, what's next or what to do. Um, your breathing gets slowed. You feel almost frozen in this place. Like you, your body can't even move, even if your brain's like, okay, I need to get up and move. You feel maybe like a thousand pounds. Um, and in shutdown, you often feel shut down and shut off from people and from connection. So in this place, reaching out for help and for hope and connection with another human is just going to feel really risky and you're probably not going to do it. Um, so these three states are the states that humans go in and out of all day. You could go to these three states several times in one day, or you could kind of camp out in a state and primarily stay there uh, for months or even years. Um, and something that we, a conceptualization that we like to see is that sympathetic is where we feel anxiety, generally speaking, and shutdown is where we feel depression. And that can really help to not pathologize those, those realities that humans feel of anxiety and depression, because really they're just nervous system states that our body has adaptively gone to as a way to protect us. Is there anything more you wanted to add to that, Luke? No, that was good. I mean, of course we could go into more detail and everything, but yeah. you did a really good job. Okay. Yeah. Regulation is, is huge. And we're, we talk a lot about regulation on the content that we create. So please check it out because regulation is so, so foundational um, to healing. So we want to introduce, maybe you already know about it, but we want to elaborate more on something called neuroception, which is we like to consider neuroception as our safety compass. This is the way that our body using our senses and our nervous system um, ability to tell, to detect what is around us and inside us, whether it's feeling a cue of safety or a cue of threat. And so neuroception is the brain and body's subconscious ability to detect the safety or threat in any given situation. And we are neurocepting from the moment that we, you know, we probably neurocept in the womb. Would you think? 
Yeah, because it's all of our senses. Okay. So. I was going to say from the moment we're born, but we we probably are picking up those those cues uh, in, in, in prenatally as well. So <clears throat> neuroception um, is something that happens on a physiological level. It's not, it's not something that you, you think. It, it creates thoughts and it goes to thoughts, but what happens is you're feeling it on a physiological level and you're taking those external cues around you and the internal cues. And it's just how our body determines if something feels safe or maybe there's danger in it or potential danger. So this compass is how we can find, uh, find our way back to safety. According to Dr. Borges, who created the polyvagal theory, even though we may not be aware of danger on a cognitive level, on a neurophysiological level, our body has already started a sequence of neural processes that can lead to the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response. So this cascade is already happening before we have made meaning in our mind about, about it with cognitive thoughts. It only takes two hundredths of a second to neurocept threat. That is how fine-tuned the system is, um, how, how quick it is. It's not always accurate, and we're gonna talk about that shortly, but it's super, super quick. Uh, this is way before, in, you know, in seconds, way before our mind has said, huh, I'm not sure that going into this conversation with this person is a good idea. I think it's a dangerous idea. Or I'm not sure going to, you know, down the street at night it is good. Like those are the cognitive thoughts, right? But you feel that first in your body. So neuroception, another way of thinking of it is like our felt sense. It's our intuition, our gut feeling. And for those of you who are superhero fans, it's like our spidey sense. It's this part of us that can detect things beyond, you might not even have words for it, but you feel it, okay? Thank you, Lauren. There's, again, so much <laughs> we could say about that. Um, and that. It's before we even have language. And that's yeah. what you're describing is, there's that feeling before language and by the time we have a language or a thought, we've neurocept and our body's been sending messages up and down our body, letting us know what's going on or what's perceived to be going on. And, and one of those things that helps send those messages is that is the vagus nerve. And so this is the largest cranial nerve in our body. And it starts from the stem of our uh, brainstem and travels down through um, our chest and our torso, um, it's innervating every organ in our body and ends at the, um, the base of our, our spine. And it's, it's really fascinating how it, it inter, it's innervating in every organ because like um, Lauren was saying that, that ventral, that safe and social, that part of the nervous system, the vagus nerve interacts with our face the muscles in our face, the, our eyes, our ears, the noises that we, the, the, the tone of sound that we're focusing on, um, the, the ability to soften our, our muscles in our face, the, uh, it dilates 
and relax our eyes. Um, it allows us to smile or frown or flat face or the melody of our tone or the, the monotoneness of our tone. All of that is controlled by the, the ventral part of the vagus nerve. If it's, if it's activated, then it has that melodious sound as we can soften our look. Um, we're listening to more uh, safe tones, but if it's not activated, then it's activating the sympathetic active part of our nervous system. And we don't have access to, we have a monotone, we have a flat affect. Our ears are listening to more of a threatening tone. So that more lower, uh, lower tones. And it activates our, and this is where it innervates, it's innervating every organ. It's, it's speeding up our, our heart rate. It's making our, our breathing more shallow. Um, it's making us ready to fight or run. So it's giving our, our muscles, the blood, the oxygen. It's uh, uh, getting our, mu our muscles more responsive. It's sending adrenaline and cortisol throughout our body. Um, and so that's that sympathetic part that's more in our chest area. Then there's the dorsal, the shutdown. And that controls our stomach. Um, and that's where we kind of have that pit in our stomach, we really say. Um, we're, we're sick to our stomach. Or maybe we have the butterflies. Um, that's a, addressing a lot of our, our digestion as well. Um, and it's that, that shutdown. It's, I mean, it, it can even cause um, our, not to be too graphic, but affects our, our digestion. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's, it's affecting all of our, our, all of our bodies. And, and our neuroception is what's giving that information to what part of our, the, the biggest nerve is being activated. What were you gonna say, Lauren? Just how the vagus nerve is a really key part of how our different organ systems and different health conditions can come about. Because the vagus nerve, as you can see in this picture, this is actually a, a drawing of the vagus nerve. And all of those nerve fibers are, are directly impacting, I don't wanna say controlling, but yes, right. controlling to a point, um, the different organs. So the lungs and the heart and all of the different digestive organs, um, these are all being acted on by what the vagus nerve is sensing. And so uh, I just hope that you can see how these things are connecting because if our neuroception is constantly sensing threat, then our vagus nerve is, is, is um, impacting the organs in our body often, as opposed to just once in a while when, you know, threat isn't supposed to be activated constantly. It's supposed to be activated and then turned off and returned to baseline, um, you know, homeostasis in the body. But when we have faulty neuroception, which we'll talk about in just a minute, it helps us know, it gives us a clue into why our physiological body has been affected so much, why we have so many symptoms in our body. Just, yeah, just want to throw that in. Yeah, it's a great point. Like when our bodies are constantly 
uh, neuroceptive stress and then experiencing stress that uh, that makes that takes away the homeostasis and that is going to negatively affect um, and a domino effect of different parts of our bodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, so messages are transmitted from the body to the brain and from the brain to the body continuously throughout every moment, gathering information about safety and threat. So, um, so it's that body up and that top down message transferring. So um, the neuroception is not just what we see, it's what we experience and what we see. It's what we feel like physically, but also emotionally. It's uh, all of our senses, all five of our senses, plus like Lauren said, that, that spidey sense is giving that message, giving that information to the vagus nerve, which takes it to um, our brain and then our brain makes meaning out of it. And it makes meaning of if it's familiar in a, or you experienced something in the past and it wasn't, it was a threat, then it's gonna create meaning out of it and say, okay, this is a threat. This experience, this situation is threatening. So it's gonna activate that fight or flight response. Um, or it could, do that dorsal response and, and shut down. It's just depending on your previous experiences and what your body is neurocepting, the biggest nerve is, is deciding is going to create safety for you. It was the best chance for you to survive. Um, if we look at the animal kingdom, because uh, mammals um, are have these, these nervous systems. Um, and we look at the animals and you have a prey and a predator. Um, the predator, if it feels like it can't fight the prey, I mean, if the prey feels like it can't fight the predator, then it runs. If it feels like it can fight it, it has a chance at neurocepts that, oh, I think I have a chance, then it fights. If it doesn't feel like it can fight it, it doesn't feel like it can outrun it, then it may freeze or it may shut down in the hopes of this is my best chance. Maybe they'll miss me. Maybe they won't see me. Maybe they'll run past me. Um, maybe they'll lose interest in me. And so we do that same thing in many different situations. Um, and you can think through your story and your experiences. We can think of times where we're not actually running, but maybe we're avoiding or we're moving quickly through a situation. Um, or maybe we're arguing. Okay, that's the fight response. Or maybe we're, we're freezing. We're just hoping <laughs> maybe you're that back in junior high where we <laughs> were always wishing that maybe people don't notice us, we freeze. Um, or in some situations, there's a lot of pain and or depending on our nervous system, but we shut down like, this is too hard to experience. So, Let's just not feel it. And that's the dorsal. And, and at, at Flourish Therapy, this is what we do to help people is we address that, that body sensation and the, those messages bringing up to your brain. And we help people interpret them. We help them understand them. We help them attune to them. 
because based on our story, we, we've been, a lot of times we're taught not to acknowledge those messages. Like in the animal kingdom, they're intuitively just, they just respond, but we're taught to ignore them. A lot of times yeah. we're taught to not trust them. And so um, we disconnected from our body and we don't know how to interpret these sensations, these messages. So we help people um, walk with them, journey with them to, to experience safety and, and give them tools and give them language to understand what it is their bodies, those sensations could be telling them and help them sit with them. Um, we, we also help with the top down. We help regulate the limbic system. We help um, like when we get triggered, we flip our lid and our frontal lobe disconnects from our limbic system. We help bring that back together uh, so that we can, the, limit, the frontal lobe can regulate and, and uh, co-regulate the limbic system or reparent the limbic system so that it's not um, overly active. And one we'll talk about in a, a minute that, that um, uh, neuroception that is kind of defective. Um, and, and that can be addressed from that bottom up and top down, which is what different ways that we address and work with and help people um, at Flourish Therapy um, as a comprehensive approach. So the vagus nerve, it activates the sympathetic and parasympathetic modes of the nervous system. So depending on your situation, your body is neurocepting and giving your brain information is then deciding based on that previous experience or our previous experiences, whether to trigger fear response or safety. Um, sympathetic is activated when um, the previous experiences um, triggers danger uh, it's really interesting um, how our brains map it out for survival to not look at identical, but just familiarity. Like if this is similar, because we don't have, a lot of times we don't have a lot of time to think through it and consciously process it. And, um, but it has to respond like one said in point and two hundredths of a second is deciding how to respond. And it's doing that out of previous experiences and mapping um, out of previous experiences of how to, if we, experience, if we responded this way then, this is the best way to respond now. And so this is a, an again, a important why to look at not just our present experiences, but our past experiences. Because um, somebody once said, uh, your past is not just, is not dead, it's simply the past. Um, and without doing the hard work of healing from your uh, past experiences, the present is you're never really experiencing the present as it is, but only experiencing the present through a filter of your past experiences. And I think, again, how at um, Flourish Therapy we help change those filters, that how we see things, clean those filters, um, and also just realize what the filter is that we even have on. Um, so the vagus nerve activates that sympathetic uh, nervous system um, and then the parasympathetic nervous system. And then that is the safe and social, that ventral part of the vagus nerve. But also actually parasympathetic 
uh, the dorsal is also part of the parasympathetic. Um, it is that uh, shutdown um, mode of the nervous system. So it's like relaxation, but to a degree that becomes almost maladaptive. Yeah. yeah. So it does feel, I mean, a lot of people go dorsal and continue to because it's the only place to get relief. Yeah. If they can send those numbing feelings through their body, it's the only way to, to, to lessen in a little bit of a way the pain. Um, and it, it is, it can be adaptive too. like each of these modes can be adaptive, but the mode that humans are made to flourish in is that top safe and social mode. Um, and just a lot of us don't experience it very much time there. Yeah. And that's just, that's heartbreaking. And that's so motivating for us that as we've been able to find more regulation and healing in our journey, um, we want other people to experience that because it makes life feel look, taste completely different. I, I've heard before and then experienced people say it's like living life in HD. Mm. Things are so different when you can be, uh, have a regulated nervous system in your safe and social state. And if the goal isn't to be there all the time, it's not possible, no. nor is it how the nervous system gains strength, um, it gains strength by going into the, the different states because of an activation, a trigger, and being able to um, attend, attend to it. Yeah. And return back to that safe and social state. That's yeah. how we gain, um, resiliency of the nervous system. So, uh, the, the, uh Vegas, uh, toned Vegas nerves. Yeah. What they say is not just staying in that ventral area all the time, because that's not the goal, but getting pushed out of that window of tolerance and then being able to return. Mm. And that's where that's a, a lot of, we don't have the tools to know how to return into that um, safe and social uh, yeah. area. Yeah. What we'll be talking about in the future webinars is those tools of how to help you return mm -hmm. to this, to uh, ventral and that safe and social. So how does neuroception become faulty? Because clearly if it was as simple as, okay, my body knows how to detect threat, and safety, we're good. I'm good. I know how to be safe and I know how to get out of danger. That if you look around the world and look into yourself, you realize, okay, there's clearly some other element here. And what, what it is, is our neuroception can actually develop by no fault of our own to become faulty. And it no longer works with the precision that it was intended to. It's still fast, but is it precise? And so the factors that can cause this neuroception to become faulty are things uh, like traumas, um, which can be included in your utero, abuse and harms of, of many types, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, mental, spiritual, physical, sexual, um, neglect, insecure attachment from the get-go creates a lot of unsafety. Un which impairs our neuroception. All we ever neurocept is threat. Um, the lack of attunement, which is how we've developed the insecure attachment and how it continues, constantly being under threat. You know, some families and situations in countries and, uh, you know, poverty, famine, war, there's some situations that a, a, a child, and it doesn't even have to be that extreme, is never not in threat they're continually under threat. And so when you heighten your neuroception to always be uh, neurocepting threat, 
that's what it's always going to neurosept, even once it gets into an environment that is actually now safe for you, your body's still going to neurosept threat. I think that's a good point that you just said that it doesn't have to be like severe. Because a lot of times mm -hmm. we have that idea of, oh, big T trauma. I didn't experience any of that. Or right. That their experience was a lot worse. So that's not what's going on with me. But it's, it's how you've experienced it. How not how somebody, not the affirmation of the trauma, not the severity of the trauma or the, even the frequency of the trauma. It's what did it communicate to your body and how did your body make meaning from it? Yeah. And that's why we like to at Flourish, look at the, the state of the body, look at the present and go backwards. Because if, if you are continually dysregulated and continually neurocepting threat, that tells you what you need to know. It takes work to kind of get into the specifics to see how it became that way. But if that's the situation your body is in, it's come by that honestly. Yeah. And so that gives you almost the diagnostic clues you need to know, okay, my body, even though I've continually dismissed my story and how harmful these things were to me, my body isn't going to dismiss it because the body is the true keeper. The body keeps the score, as you probably have heard of an awesome book by Bessel van der Kolk. Um, so other ways that our neuroception can become faulty, others unhealthy expectations on us, particularly as a child. So very high expectations, high stress, high pressure, needing to have perfect grades, perfect this, perfect that. Those types of um, growing up in those types of environments create, there's no way to be safe because I'm not actually okay. I'm not actually loved no matter what. I have to perform at a certain level and that creates a lot of um, threat, right? So also unmanaged stress, continual stressors, um, things like moving, things like having siblings that are really dysregulated or mental illness or drug use or um, a lot of fighting, a lot of uh, bullying. There's so many ways that our little bodies as they're developing our nervous systems are, are uh, plummeted by stressors over and over. And that, that starts to impair our neuroception to only neurocept threat. No sense of bodily autonomy, boundaries, having a voice in childhood. Childhood is where we're supposed to develop this beautiful gift of neuroception, where we're supposed to be able to tune into our body and know, yeah, I don't really want to hug Uncle John. I don't really want to do that. And to, for our parents to be able to say, okay, I'm, I'm totally comfortable with that. You don't need to hug anyone that you don't feel comfortable hugging. That's, you know, a very commonly used answer or example, but there's so many examples of chances that our parents had to affirm our autonomy as a human and to give us the empowerment we needed to direct our, our life, you know, with their guidance and with their support, but giving us that freedom. If we don't have that developed as a child to have those, to listen to those felt senses in our body, we don't just automatically know how to do it as an adult. That mechanism has been hindered, covered, tamped down, shamed, um, berated, and therefore it's not used. It's almost like it's atrophied. So that's a huge reason that neuroception can become um, faulty is because it's not used. And then there's things that like sensory processing issues and other um, neurobiological reasons that may even be rooted in genetics of how some people can be have a heightened neuroception that is more 
quick to neurosep threat, um, highly sensitive people, empaths, you know, we, we usually think those things develop primarily from trauma or even generational trauma, but there's also uh, genes that can play into this, uh, that they're, you know, don't have a ton of answers on yet, but that can also be a cause. Um, but all in all, the first few years of life is when neuroception begins developing, and that lays the foundation, again, for the rest of our lives. As you were talking, um, specifically like unhealthy expectations of others, others unhealthy expectations on you, um, but all of these are kind of, like going back to the compass, it's teaching your compass to point at the wrong thing, mm. like it's giving you the wrong true north, so like other people's expectations of like uh, perfectionism or, or you should be, you should talk like this, you should like this, you should do this. All of this is teaching you what their true north is and ignoring you and telling you to ignore what you feel like is it creates safety for you. And so it creates, okay, my safety comes from making other people happy. So we become people pleasers. That's my true north or um, lack of attunement, constant threat. Like, oh, this is what is familiar. This is what is okay. This is what is acceptable. And so as, and as a kid, we don't, we don't logically think of, oh, this is good, this is bad. Like, this is what brings safety. Mm-hmm. When I get all A's, my parents are happy with me. Um, and, and it just, tells you where your true north is. And yeah. so at Flourish Therapy, we try to recalibrate that, that compass of, okay, this is where you've been pointing, but where should you, like, where do you wanna point? Where is your body telling you you should be pointing? So let's listen and take that information. And a lot of times, like Lauren was just saying, our past can tell us where we've gone off on, on, on that faulty neuroception, but can also point us to where we can recorrect that neuroception. I love that conceptualization of the the compass has been like manually moved and pointed to someone else's true north. I love that. We haven't even talked about that before, but it's, it's so good to see like that, just like a compass knows it has that mechanism of getting back in line. So do you. And we deeply believe that people have this embodied wisdom within themselves and that sometimes it just takes time to help, you know, good attunement and good care and support to help pull those layers off and and get back to, oh my goodness, my compass is recalibrating and it's pointing back to my true north. And to see it happen is remarkable. I mean, to be able to witness this is is why we do what we do, because we deeply believe that this is innate in the human spirit Um, and and trauma and insecure attachment and harm and constant threat. These things all go in and manually mess with our with our true north, but it can be it can be brought back. And it's a beautiful thing to see. And so learning to cultivate safety is how we can recalibrate faulty neuroception and repair these dysregulated nervous systems that are causing so much suffering for us and that are causing so many 
physical, emotional, relational um, symptoms and frustration and pain. Cultivating safety is at the foundation of all of it. And that's why this is our very first webinar because um, we want our, our paradigm, we want you to understand how important safety is for your healing. And so these, um, if you're just listening to the podcast, you won't be able to see this, but we have, uh, we have created ABCs of nervous system, ABCDEs of nervous system regulation. And these are the pillars that are the foundation of safety and that bring, that lead to healing. Um, so the five pillars are acceptance, beauty, seeking beauty and learning to embrace beauty, cultivating compassion, self-compassion, slowing down. So that's our D, down. Um, learning to live at the rhythms that your body actually can thrive at. And then the last one is embodiment. Learning to be an embodied person who is aligned with who you are, what you believe, what you need. And it's, it's like getting that true north back in line. And so acceptance, beauty, compassion, slowing down and embodiment are the five pillars of nervous system regulation, all with the foundation, the beautiful foundation of safety. So th that is what we will be talking about in the next um, installments of our webinars. So we, we would love you to keep listening so that you can see this unfold and really capture this for your own life. And, uh, this, that, that is our pillars of how we feel like we can bring neuro, um, nervous system regulation. And we offer a couple different ways uh, to, to work with us and, and working through those pillars and finding that nervous system regulation. Um, our, our main uh, pack, program, our program, uh, the signature, Flourish Signature Program, is where Lauren and I work together and uh, work to give you a comprehensive healing and comprehensive help of where I'm working with the trauma healing and Lauren's helping with the brain retraining. And um, then there's a, another, uh, other options of working with me individually uh, or working with me um, as a couple to do that trauma healing. Because uh, as an individual, you can work on your own trauma healing, but as a couple, that's also important to work on trauma healing individually, but also how, it, how they intersects with you as a couple. How does your own trauma um, affect your relationship with your partner? Um, invite them within that relationship. And I also offer intensives for that individual and couples counseling. Um, uh, a two and a half day intensive where I'll be working with you for two and a half days. Um, and it's really helpful to get momentum and, um, and make a lot of progress in during that time. Um, for the signature program and the individual and couples trauma healing that aren't intensives, we offer those at three or six month offerings. So you can work with us for three months or six months. Um, and um, yeah, so that's kind of what we offer for people as they come looking to work with us uh, in those different avenues. 
Yeah, and we just, I'll just add in that the reason we have been uh, in the helping field for 10 to 15 years, we've been working with people in pursuing healing. And we have just found that the people that do the very best, that experience the most um, deep, sustainable progress and healing and growth in their life are the people that have a commitment to a longer term process. And so we have decided um, everything that we do with Flourish Therapy is going to be about deep, lasting, meaningful healing. Um, we're not into quick fixes. We're not into false promises. We want people to, to really do the heavy lifting and we want to do it alongside of them. And so we have the three or six month packages for that reason. We don't offer just one or two sessions here or there because we have found anecdotally that people tend to do best when they have committed um, to that period of time. And so check out those packages in more detail if you're interested at all at flourishtherapy.co. And we also want to introduce, we have some special offerings as a way to celebrate our launch. Um, we are giving two different offerings to people who are interested in working with us. So for the three-month Flourish Signature Program, again, this is trauma healing and brain retraining um, if you have emotional and physical health issues, challenges. So this is going to be a 30% off that whole program offering for the first five clients. Um, and we forgot to put the codes here. So go ahead and just shoot us a message if you're interested and we will give you a code to get that um, that percentage off of the Flourish Signature Program. And then if you would like to do an intensive, if you have certain issues that need tender loving care, that need attention, um, and that need it, you know, in a really um, immersive way, um, the, the last, the 30% off of the intensive can, is another offering that we have. And so this is either for couples or for, uh, just one-on-one -on -one, and that's with Luke. So again, the three months, 30% off of that for the signature program or 30% off of an intensive, which can be virtual or in-person. Everything we do is offered online uh, globally. We have a global virtual practice or in the office with Luke and I. So we are so thrilled that you listened. Thank you so much for taking this time to really nurture the soil of your own heart and try and understand um, yourself more because you do make sense and your story matters so much. And we are just so thankful that you are investing in this deep, meaningful heart work. And um, we wish you all the healing, healing goodness in the world. So until next time. We'll see you then. While it is a joy to provide our podcast content as a source of life enrichment, please note that information shared is not intended to replace or contradict any professional therapy or medical advice.